10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hey everyone, how is it going? It's Gemma from Bristol here with you today. We're talking everything stress, so it's going to be a really chirpy um, chat today. It's International uh, Stress Awareness Week this week, so we're going to be talking about how stress is caused and what you can do to avoid it as well. So stay tuned, we've got lots of tips coming your way. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. What I love as my second show, you know, my nerves are like going like mad, the adrenaline is pumping and the music really helps with that and really kind of makes me feel so energized and freaking out a little bit. But hey, the music is gone and now it's just me. So I hope you guys have had a truly amazing half-term break and I would love to hear from you how your half-term break was. And it's really quite ironic that as we come back into our new term, we're on the roll to Christmas if it's okay to mention that word already. And interestingly, this is the week that is the International Stress Awareness Week. So we're gonna be talking everything stress. Let's talk about stress, baby. I didn't sing it, I'm quite proud of myself there because I could have gone into the whole song. But it's all about the stress today. And what's really interesting for me is, um, particularly like reflecting on my experiences as a teacher, the stress that I used to be under, it just felt quite normal. Like being stressed was a perfectly normal thing to be. Um, And that normalizing of stress is kind of also the downfall. Now that I work with teachers um, to help them create those clear boundaries and love their job again, which involves reducing that stress and overwhelm, it's really interesting to see it from the other side. So I really hope that today's show will give you some inside tips and thoughts and ideas um, about how you can kind of manage the stress because I think there is I don't want to say inevitability but there is kind of an inevitability um, about teaching at the moment and being stressed like if you're not stressed there's you know people will probably question you a little bit they'll be like you know how are you not stressed um you know, are you doing something wrong? And then actually you start to question yourself. You're like, well, I'm not stressed about this. So does that mean that I'm actually the wrong one here? Should I be more stressed? Um, and it, it's it's really interesting. It just becomes not only like your own kind of mind monkeys going around, but also kind of freaking about uh, freaking out about what other people um, think about you being stressed or not as well. So, I mean, thinking about my own experiences as a teacher, like I just remember there were a few key things that stressed me out as a teacher or, um, and and the interesting thing was I never seemed to actually learn from my mistakes, um, which is quite ironic in a way. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that I would love to know from you guys as I started talking about my um 
experiences or stresses, you know, what, what causes stress for you? What are the bits that really do crop up for you and kind of freak you out? Um, and are they recurring or have you like learned to manage them or not? So for me, I mean, it was regularly the idea of the marking when the to-do list became too great. Um, and I just became really overwhelmed with it and always just struggling to keep on top of it. And it felt like if I didn't stay on the teacher treadmill and just keep running and keep running on it, and if I kind of stopped and paused for a moment, suddenly like an avalanche of work would hit me that was never actually that surprising. Like, you know, if it was a set of reports, well, I knew they were coming down the road or, you know, if it was a, a meeting, well, you know, I'd been in my diary for a couple of days, so I knew about it. But there never actually seemed to be this kind of learning in my head of that's happened before. Therefore, maybe I'll plan ahead this time. I just never thought, really thought to plan ahead, which um, wasn't really all that clever, to be honest, now that I think about it. But I know that for me, marking was one of those things. It Some of the bits, I was very much on it. But like, say, like my year 13 and my year 12 essays, I always left those till last minute because in my head, they were like this big, scary piece of work, you know, I kind of, and then my own insecurities started coming through. Like I was like, oh my goodness, what if the kids are cleverer than me and I don't know how to mark this work and actually they know more than me and what if, and just loads of what if questions like, oh, you know, what if um, they write in a style that isn't how I've taught them and, and how do I say that that's good and is it good and you know I think that then whole existential part of it used to come in of you know is there a right or wrong way to write an essay question well yeah obviously there is but if I've taught them in one particular way but they've done it in a different way is that still valid and all of these kind of basically questioning my own ability as a teacher essentially and so I used to avoid it really did avoid it um, and left it till last minute because it was a general rule in my school of, you know, a fortnight turnaround, particularly with like essays and things like that. Um, so I'd leave them last minute and then I just find it really stressful. And it's just like, what? why didn't I just learn from that? If I got them out of the way or if I broke them down into chunks, so like marked a couple each day, it made it a lot less scary. Why didn't I just do that? Um, and another thing that really stressed me out as a teacher was that prospect of contacting home. Um, if a student had misbehaved in my lesson, not only was a part of me going, oh, now you've made me do the behavior management process and now I've got extra work because I've got to call home and I've got to talk to your parents, et cetera, et cetera. And my very first experience as a NQT calling home about a child's poor behavior in my lesson was so bad. It blew up in my face so badly because uh, you know, the parent essentially was like, well, you teach religious studies, it's not important. So I don't care if my child doesn't behave, you know, they don't care about RS, so why should they behave? And as an NQT, that like completely like flummoxed me and just stressed me out. So then I just had this permanent like hang up in my head of when I call home, parents are going to be mean to me or parents are going to be um, difficult or they're not going to be supportive which nine times out of 10 was not actually the case. Like, you know, the parents are usually delighted to hear that their child's not very, not been behaving very well. And actually they're going to, you know, 
be very supportive and yes the xbox is going away tonight and and those types of phone calls but i got it in my head that these things are really um big and scary and that actually someone was out to get me and that's essentially what stress is in sense of how it's caused it is basically that fight or flight um mentality and you know when you face that kind of fear your brain's going you know we're in danger even if it's a perceived danger your brain still goes danger life-threatening let's you know go into flight and fight or flight mode so even though like you know the reality is there's no harm that's going to come for me um from you know marking my essays there's no harm that is going to come to me um life-threatening harm by talking to a parent it's just that evolution has kind of made our brains go, oh, this is the type of um, scenario where bad things may happen, bad things can result in death. Therefore, let's you know enter the stress zone. And that's just a a thing that our our bodies and our and our brains are they've evolved so amazingly but they are not necessarily evolved for the world that we now live in you know this continual um perceived threat yeah okay there are life-threatening situations in our lives you know gone out for a walk this afternoon could easily have been hit by a car um you know there but that isn't what stresses us out it's these perceived threats from our job from our family from you know, unexpected things going on in our in our lives, in our homes and families. So our lives are just kind of really, it's without any like particular like tips or training on how to manage that stress, it can become really overwhelming. And actually that we are struggling to essentially adapt to the world that we now live in, weirdly enough. So this is kind of what we're going to be exploring today. And I would totally love to hear your thoughts. So if you want to um, do text in, I'd love to hear from you what causes stress for you. And um, what do you actually think stress is as well, actually, it would be a really interesting thing to explore, because we all have this like perception of what stress is. And we all have our own experiences of what stress is. But what is your actual understanding of what stress is? So let's go to the news for now and we'll be back in a moment. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, more than 226,000 pupils have additional needs, and this figure has increased by 70,000 since 2010. The Scotsman newspaper has reported the number of coordinated support plans has more than halved during this time. In England, the number of statutory education, health and care plans, similar to CSPs, 
has risen by almost 90,000 in five years. Pro-Union campaign group Scotland and Union said the drop in numbers was deeply worrying. Their chief executive Pamela Nash said, every youngster in Scotland should have the correct support in place to help them reach their full potential. For the most vulnerable, coordinated support plans are essential, giving parents, carers and children legal rights. A Scottish Government spokesperson said, all children and young people should receive all the support that they need to reach their potential. Local authorities are responsible for identifying and meeting the additional support needs of their pupils. NHS teams in England are set to visit over 800 schools next week to offer all 12 to 15 year olds a COVID-19 vaccination. The national booking system also opened last week to enable extra vaccinations during half term. In total, more than 600,000 young people have been vaccinated since the end of September. Dr Nikki Kanani, GP and Deputy Lead for the NHS COVID-19 Vaccine Programme said, It has been great to see that tens of thousands of families have either booked or already been for their child's COVID-19 vaccination during half term. As our children return to classrooms, our efforts to vaccinate children will not stop. Hundreds more schools will be vaccinating this week. It's really important that we continue with the same enthusiasm if we want to ensure children get to stay in the classroom with their fellow pupils this winter. And so I encourage all parents and guardians to head online and get the information on vaccinating your child so you can make an informed decision. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or 
gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hey, we're back. So today's show, we are talking about stress. It is International Stress Awareness Week this week. And the aim really is that is to raise our awareness of what stress is, what causes it, and how we can relieve our stress as well. And actually, even today, we're going to explore is it even possible to relieve a stress as a teacher. So what actually is stress? So according to the Confederation of British Industry, stress is that which arises when the pressure placed upon an individual exceeds the capacity of that individual to cope. As a teacher, that sounds remarkably familiar. So if you imagine yourself as like a, a bucket and that things that kind of come your way kind of slowly fill the bucket, whether it is the marking or the meetings or the lesson planning or you know, you've had a challenging lesson or one particular student um, needed extra support. So you hung around more at lunchtime for them um, or your senior leadership team have said, oh, we've got to do this other thing now. Um, or COVID is continuing to wreak havoc through your school. Whatever it is, imagine this kind of like just slowly piling up in your bucket. And the thing is, you only have a set capacity that you can cope with. And at the point at which that bucket begins to overflow, that is stress. That's the point where the overwhelm occurs and the stress ensues. And these pressures, again, they come from a number of sources. So it might not even be that they're coming from school. You know, sometimes it's not teaching's fault. You know, I remember some of my most stressful times as, my te as a teacher was when there was family illness that was a huge amount of stress because, you know, me and my family wanted to go to the hospital every single day to visit this um, relative. So that was suddenly just an extra thing that I was dealing with as an NQT. That was a lot. Or bought a house that we needed to renovate. So my weekends became renovation time. So I had to shorten the amount of time that I was doing my schoolwork. And sometimes that conflict was just so huge. And it's that combined effect that causes the overwhelm that is then causing the stress on top of us. And, you know, as a teacher, we kind of just live in that kind of regular frame of stress. It's normal or it's perceived as normal to be stressed as a teacher. So much so that it becomes normal and then a little bit like underrated. And I don't mean underrated as in like stress is so awesome, we should celebrate it all the time kind of underrated. But in the sense that, you know, it's no longer deemed a problem um, or something to be concerned about, that there are other things going on that require attention. And, you know, if you're, as an individual, you know, as a teacher, if you're alone in your classroom, that can feel incredibly lonely, incredibly isolating. Um, and, you know, you kind of have those thoughts going through your head of, well, you know, I'm not the only one stressed. Um, everyone else seems to be coping because everyone else is having these thoughts in their own classroom, not sharing. 
um, you know, it must just be me and I, I, I just have to keep going. I just have to keep plodding on. I have to keep swimming, as a famous fish once said. And the thing is, that's where the danger is. Like, you know, lots of people thought that the fight or flight response is the stress response. But actually, the fight or flight is kind of like this one-off thing. Um, it's a one-off reaction. But stress is when you are just continually in that state of fight or flight. You know, you're continually in the state of um, should I stay or should I go, you know, where you might suddenly snap at someone, whether it's a student or, you know, a partner or a colleague or a friend, or you just feel like running away. Um, I know there were many times when I just got to the end of the day and just went sod everything and I've just walked out at the end of the day and just not even thought about what I need for the next day, not even thought about what if I'm not in tomorrow, what things do I need in case I have to do cover or anything like that. I have just walked out because I'm just like, I can't take any more of this. And that's that's then where the, the stress is. It's that continual state of it. And as teachers, I mean, certainly from my own experience of what I've seen, it's kind of like two camps when it comes to teachers and stress. There are the deniers, the ones who just kind of go, you know, there's there's nothing wrong. I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. I can cope with anything. And, you know, you're stood there going, you have just spontaneously started crying in my classroom, which, you know, is kind of a typical sign of stress. Um, and isn't, you know, people don't spontaneously cry for no reason. Generally, something has triggered it, even if it's simply the bucket has started to overflow and it was no particular thing that's caused it. Um, and that's the deniers or the den people in denial are, a really fascinating bunch because they're so resilient they've got to keep going but the thing is the the, the destination of that road is is burnout there's no other destination you physically and mentally and emotionally cannot keep doing that to yourself so you know you just kind of feel as like a friend at a college it's like i will personally put you in your car and send you home you need to go home you need to rest you need to not take any work with you you just need to acknowledge that it's gotten a bit too much now and you just need to have a bit of time to empty the bucket a little bit before you go again. So it's kind of like the denial people um, as teachers and stress. And then there's the kind of celebrators, if you like, or the collaborators of stress. You know, the ones that kind of like, or at least used to sit in a staff room together going, oh, you know, I'm so stressed. Oh, yeah, how stressed are you? Oh, I'm, I'm so stressed that, you know, my eczema is just completely exploded. Oh, well, I'm so stressed that I couldn't sleep at all last night. I find, when I finally fell asleep at 2 o'clock, I woke again at 3 o'clock, and, and I kept worrying and thinking about school. Oh, well, I'm so stressed that, you know, my eye just continually twitches. And that is also not particularly useful because it then kind of breeds more negativity. And it's kind of like stress is like this badge of honor. And if you're not stressed, well, you're not working hard enough. And that's also really unhealthy. Um, not only is that unhealthy for the people kind of collaborating together with this and kind of sharing their load and going, oh, look, look at all of our stress, isn't it awful? Um, but it's also not great for those people looking in on that because you know there's a there's a, an exclusion sense where part of you is going oh i really want to be part of this you know i want to share my woes um but also acknowledging that that's it's like going round and round in a circle it's not a positive 
um, reaction to it. It's not a, uh, you know, it's not conducive to actually reducing stress. Um, and it makes, it can potentially cause other people like in the department or other people experiencing this to go, yeah, um, you know, this, not only is this, it's not brilliant, but um, there's clearly some sort of like, honor here of being stressed therefore I should work harder because I'm clearly not stressed enough yet to join in but if I work a bit harder and and do extra hours and sleep less and eat less then that will be okay and that that then I can join this club and that's not really beneficial to anyone you know it's it can it just kind of breeds more stress essentially and Going back to like this idea of like the fight or flight, you know, fight or flight is is triggered by a release of hormones. It's either prompting us to stay and fight, or it's encouraging us to completely run and you know escape. And so, like, obviously, you know, going back to our ancestors, you know, that was like, do I stand and fight? Or do I run away from the saber-toothed tiger or mammoth or whatever it is? Um, and obviously that was really useful back then because our body just completely shuts down all the things that it doesn't think we need. It just focuses all of its time and energy on survival. And that's its reaction to danger. And that's really quite effective, you know. Um, however... <laughs> The, the beauty of oh, the brain is so fascinating. It's so amazing. But the problem with the brain is it cannot distinguish between a real threat and a perceived threat. So, for instance, if you are a PGC student or an early careers teacher and you have got an observation tomorrow, how you think about that may trigger your fight or flight response. If you are seeing that as a, oh, you know, the last observation didn't go too well and um, I'm finding this class really difficult and I tried to print everything off, but the printer wasn't working today, so I need to do it all tomorrow, but I haven't really got time to do it. Um, and I'm sharing a lift with someone and they're really slow to get up in the morning, so I may arrive late, I might not have time to do it. If you start thinking negatively about it, that can provoke the brain into the fight or flight response. It does not matter to the brain whether you are facing a lion and may actually die, or you're facing an observation from a mentor that freaks you out a little bit. It can't tell the difference. It, it simply does not know. And that's then where this whole modern day fight or flight comes into it because yeah we're, we're not really in danger most of the time particularly in this country we're, we're very fortunate to have what is generally a very safe environment for us to live and work in but our brains haven't kind of caught up with us through the evolution yet and simply just see any kind of threat anything that we perceive as a threat to be a threat so mindset is actually really, really significant in this and how we then perceive um, our work, how we perceive 
our students, how we perceive our senior leadership team, how we perceive COVID, how we perceive new um, directives from the Department of Education. All of those can trigger that fight or flight response because it's about how we see these things and how we perceive them to be. And this is then really fascinating because it goes into the fact that what we think about influences how we feel about something, which then influences how we act about something as well. So if I go back to my example of um, when I used to avoid my marking, my year 13 marking, I thought it was going to be a really big task. So I felt anxious about it. And as a result of that, I then avoided it which then made me think, oh, it's even worse of a situation because it's, you know, the deadline is reducing and the pile of essays is not going down, which then makes me feel more stressed and anxious about it. And also perceiving, you know, feeling negative about my own ability to be organized and plan and mark all together, which then makes me avoid it even more. So our mindset is really really significant when it comes to stress and the thing is like a fight or flight is it's perfectly natural you know our bodies excel at it and and we're really glad that they do um but the stress comes when we are continually in that fight or flight response and we don't give our bodies the opportunity to actually um recover from it and it's really fascinating the number of things that our body controls and shuts down when it perceives a threat. So, you know, you may have noticed some of these changes yourself, you know, having a dry mouth, um, color drains from your face, or you get goosebumps, you feel nauseous, got palpitations, um, you might start hyperventilating, tension in the shoulders might occur. Um, and there's all sorts of things that our body just kind of says, yeah, we don't need these. And we're going to shut them down. So digestive system temporarily shuts down. Our reproductive system also shuts down. So your libido or libido, I can never remember how to say it, that gets affected when we are in, in fight or flight. And if we're, you know, regularly and continually in that sense. Um, for women, the menstrual cycle is also affected because our body just kind of goes, that's not important right now. What we need to do is survive. Therefore, you know, sod all things to do with reproduction, haven't got time, you know, that's not relevant right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's the damage that we can be causing to our bodies by putting ourselves continually in those states of stress. And that's really quite scary in a way, actually, you know, if we have a stronger understanding of what stress is, and, and what it's doing to our bodies, then not only can we like learn and we can improve, but also it's kind of a, why are we not doing more about this? Why is there not more work being done to, particularly for teachers to help reduce stress? Because it is unhealthy for our bodies. It just is. I mean, if you think about the fact that, you know, you've just come back off half term and I imagine many of you spent the first part of half term completely run down and drained of energy and just unwell. And it's because the immune system is something that is also temporarily ignored if we're in stress mode, if we're in that fight or flight response. The body just kind of goes, well, you know, there's, 
if we're if we're about to die, well, you know, there's no point in dealing with the immune system because the disease won't kill us fast enough. Therefore, let's just, you know, deal with the immediate crisis in front of us. So it's it's really significant and really interesting that we aren't doing more about this, really. And also, it's it's interesting how we also identify um, stress as well. And I did actually like go through a um, like, how do you identify stress um, like questionnaire? And it was really, <laughs> I was like, and I did it from the perspective of when I was a teacher. Um, I like to think I'm not a stress, but I'm probably stressed in a different way now that I work for myself. Um, but there's, there's the psychological signs, the emotional signs, the physical signs and behavioral signs as well. So some of the psychological signs that I experience, and maybe you um, also experience when you're stressed, um, inability to concentrate or make simple decisions, just that decision fatigue and just, you know, simple decisions like, what do you want for dinner tonight? I cannot, cannot do those simple decisions. Um, easily distracted. So do you ever find yourself in those moments where you're feeling stressed and there's one particular thing that's stressing you out, whether it is... I don't know, let's come up with a scenario that you've just finished a lesson with a bunch of year nines who really pushed every single button you have. They just seem to know where the buttons are. And you've got a huge list of, not a huge list, but you've got a list of students that you need to follow up um, in terms of their behavior, whether it is like behavior points or contacting home or whatever it is. And you're like, right, I must do that before I go home. And then you make the mistake of opening your emails and then like, oh, this email's just come through. I'll just deal with that. And then that asks you to fill in a form. So you go and do the form. And then you come back about half an hour later going, what the hell was I meant to be doing? <laughs> because when we are stressed, we just, we really struggle to keep our focus on things. Um, we become less intuitive and less creative when we are stressed because our brain's not really concerned with that type of thing it's just thinking about how to survive right now so you know creativity if you're like sat there trying to plan a lesson for the next morning but your mind is just all over the place it's not happening it's not going to be when you're going to have your most creative um opportunities undue worrying as well also just like repeatedly worrying about something um catastrophizing or even like black and white thinking, like that was a terrible lesson, full stop. All of those students hate me, full stop, rather than going, okay, actually, well, there were some good aspects, you know, like so-and-so, they they answered a really good question and, and this person created some really good work. It's really difficult to um, be realistic and be reasonable about your, uh, like the actual reality of what's happening. We kind of have our perceived reality and, and that kind of takes hold rather than being objective and saying what actually occurred. Um, negative thinking is also involved in that as well as like insomnia or just waking up tired. Um, I used to hate my alarm at quarter to six in the morning because no matter how early I went to bed the night before, I just always woke up tired. Um, and I'm sure you can empathize with that as well, whatever time your alarm goes off. And there's loads of emotional signs of um, stress as well. So being tearful, irritable, mood swings. So you're just manically happy. And then all of a sudden you're just like 
there's just no point in everything, anything. Um, being extra sensitive to criticism, I think is a really relevant one for teachers because, you know, if we're feeling stressed, you know, if you've got that lesson observation tomorrow and you're really stressed about it ahead of that, you know, you're not going to be so receptive to constructive criticism the day after or, you know, after the lesson. And you can end up being quite um, defensive. And even though there's part of you going, you know, the feedback that I'm receiving is perfectly reasonable, but you just can't quite grasp that at that moment in time. You're just like, I just feel really irritable about it and, you know, try and justify your way out of it. And say, so, well, no, they, they don't know what they're talking about and they don't understand how I work with that particular pupil. Therefore, it's they're the one that's wrong and, and not me. And, and just that feeling of like frustration or lack of confidence, lack of self-esteem. Um, if I think about when I used to avoid the marking, it then resulted in me feeling like I was a rubbish teacher because I wasn't organizing myself effectively enough to do my job effectively. When actually I was doing the job effectively, I just didn't perceive myself to be doing so. And then there's physical signs, behavioral signs. So like, you know, aches, pains, if you are someone that grinds your teeth, frequent colds and infections, the allergies, the rashes, irritable bowel syndrome, hyperventilating dizziness, like the list goes on with the physical symptoms. And very often we just kind of go, well, I just don't feel very well. And, and we don't necessarily acknowledge what is causing that feeling of unwell. And remember, if we are continually in fight or flight, it is a reminder, um, or it's a useful reminder to remember that our immune system is temporarily shut down when we're in fight or flight mode. And if we are then continually in that fight or flight mode and not giving our body the opportunity to recover from that, um, then that's where illness comes in. And then the behavioral signs, again, they are really particularly fascinating because it's our coping mechanisms and how we then cope with stress. And I would love to hear how do you cope with stress? Um, for me, chocolate, chocolate every time. Um, and if anyone got in the way of me and my chocolate, I was not a very happy person at all. I love that, Tom. I cope badly. <laughs> I love the honesty. There. <laughs> you cope badly. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and it's it's then that kind of like, if you imagine like a dog with a bone, um, and this kind of goes back to like the, the people who deny that they're stressed, they just doggedly keep on going with whatever's bugging them or whatever's stressing them or just their work in general. Um, I mean, I even did this earlier today, which isn't very good of me. Um, I'm working on a resource about stress and overwhelm, actually, and it would not work. <laughs> and rather than going... I'm going to walk away from this for 10 minutes. I just kept on going with it. And, um, you know, I didn't give myself time to switch off. Um, I'm getting better. I did make sure I have a lunch break and I did go for a walk at the end of it. But I, you know, you may be someone that doesn't, um, doesn't like give yourself permission to switch off that the self-esteem bit kind of comes in where you kind of go, well, you don't deserve to switch off. You don't deserve to relax because you're rubbish at your job and you're not very good. And, and you know, other people are doing a much better job. Therefore, you have to keep working. Um, and that then, again, it, it causes those feelings of inadequacy, which then cause you to think, 
you know, causes a behavior of I must keep going, I must keep going, I have to do better, I must do better, when actually what you need to do is walk away from it. You may have an increased reliance on a particular substance, whether it is alcohol or cigarettes or chocolate in my case, um, or caffeine, or even like, you know, other kinds of drugs. Um, it's it's um, it's that whole thing of what are your coping mechanisms and how do you actually cope with um, with your stress? Are you someone who, you know, even by like say one thirty is itching for that glass of wine and just like I will get home and nothing will get in the way of my glass of wine and that's kind of like your release, or maybe oh my goodness, I love this as a response, it's great. Uh, Lenise, I, I, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, loves to do karaoke. That is, see that, that is a positive kind of coping mechanism. There is zero harm with karaoke, I love it. Um, but if you're kind of like, you know, the chocolate intake goes up or the smoking goes up, those are negative coping mechanisms. Um, oh, I love the fact that Anise likes to sing. That's great. I'm totally with you on that. If I stop singing, that's when I know that I'm stressed, actually. So if I if I sing, I'm I'm in a better mood. So it's good to keep an eye on what's going on for you. Um, but yeah, the stress can just, there's so many signs for it. If you're someone who just can't switch off from work, you become a workaholic or poor time management or poor standards of work, actually you just, you're not actually able to do the job as well as you want to do you know, if it actually then becomes to just avoidance, absenteeism, whether it's due to ill health or actually just, I can't face today. I just can't face today. And I mean, I remember doing that once and that wasn't my best moment where I got into school and it was only when I got into school that went, this is a mistake. I shouldn't be here. And I remember saying to the cover organizer, I'm, I'm tired. She was like, you want me to provide cover because you're tired? I'm like, yeah. And the head teacher came to me and he was like, what's this I hear about you being tired? And I was just like, I'm, I've hit the brick wall. I just, I can't do anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I just, I can't do anything more about this. You know, which the fair response was, that's fine, Gemma. If you're not well enough to be here, then that is okay. But you probably should have told us that at home, seven o'clock this morning, rather than here, you know, half eight. Yeah, not so good. Um, oh, Lenise also likes to play the piano and write a music notebook from Popping. Nice. That is very cool. I love these. So yeah, keep these coming in. How do you cope with the stress? Loving this. Because right now I'm kind of rolling through the how not to deal with it um, list, which then includes like things like self-neglect. You know, if you're not um, feeding yourself properly, you're skipping lunch. If you are not going to the toilet as often as you should actually be doing. That's a classic one as a teacher, isn't it? You just kind of avoid going to the toilet. Um, and also like the, that aggressiveness, that anger outburst when you're just so frustrated and so stressed that you just snap at, you know, anyone and everyone that's around you. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break from the talking. Afterwards, we are going to be talking about the impact on teachers specifically. So we're going to be looking at COVID. I'm also going to be looking at the Teacher Wellbeing Index uh, from Education Support in 2020. 
Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Okay, we're back. So what is the impact specifically on teachers? And again, would love to be hearing from you. How are you finding um, stress impacting you? So according to Education Support, which is a charity that um, supports teachers' mental health, um, particularly about COVID, 52% of all teachers felt that their mental health and wellbeing had declined during COVID which is kind of, I mean, part of me is like, that's not as bad as you think, you know, half, but also actually half thought that the mental health was worse. Um, and I, you know, I think the, you know, teaching was stressful before COVID and COVID has completely compounded the issue. And, you know, the, Budget uh, this week, I think, has, has said, you know, more money's coming in for the COVID recovery and catch-up and scheme and things, which is all very good. Great. You know, we want students to catch up, although is catch-up really a fair comment to make? Let's not go down there for that moment. But again, what is being done for teachers' uh, mental well-being? And even in March 2021, you know, 82% of teachers describe themselves as stressed, according to education support. And that is, that kind of reiterates what I said earlier about it's normal. Normal doesn't mean okay. It's just, it's just the way teaching is. And if that's just the way teaching is, it kind of gives that impression of, well, there's no point in doing anything, is there? It's just the way it is, you know. Uh, it it kind of draws in that like victimization, if you like, um, not victimization, but like more um, if individual teachers see themselves as victims of the system, which is certainly a, a way I used to think of myself as a teacher, 
um, then you feel like there is nothing you can do to support your own well-being or reduce your own stress levels. And that is simply not the case. Individuals may struggle to impact the whole system. Individuals may struggle to impact their own institution. But that does not mean that teachers as individuals can do nothing to help their own stress levels or their own well-being. And the thing is, the story kind of continues. I know the Teacher Wellbeing Index of 2020 reported that 62% of education staff reported themselves as stressed, 77% of senior leadership uh, or senior leaders reported themselves as stressed. Um, And then the other kind of crucial thing about this is that 57% of all education staff um, would not feel confident in disclosing unmanageable stress or mental health issues to the employer. And this is one of the really crucial key things um, about stress is it's widely acknowledged that teachers are stressed. That's like a given. You know, we may be kind of happy to share with colleagues how stressed we're feeling. But teachers don't feel confident to go to their employer and say, I'm stressed and I'm not coping. And there's a whole load of reasons for that. You know, you may feel that you it may be seen as a weakness. You may feel that um, your performance or capability as a teacher is brought into question. Um, you may just fear that the stigma that does still occur around mental health um, and, and stress and, and kind of putting your hand up and, and putting your head above the parapets and saying, I'm not coping. And... I want to say to you that it's okay. It's okay not to be coping. It's okay to say that you're not coping because by putting on a brave face and putting on your teacher mask and going back into that classroom, you are kind of taking your bucket of stress and overwhelm and everything that's going on in the bucket. And then you're kind of wading in on the bucket and stamping it down and compressing it down further. And it's like a jack-in-the-box. It may not pop back up today, but I guarantee you it will pop back up at some point. And that time will be so much worse um, than if you acknowledge to yourself and, and to the people that are there to support you because your senior leaders are there to support you. They are there to serve you. That's what they're there for. Um, you know, if, if you don't feel that you can say that to them now, it, it does make it so much worse. So if you're a senior leader um, listening to this, you know, do consider what perception are you are you putting out there to your to your um, staff? Are you are you giving the impression and, and being open that it's okay to um, express well-being concerns? Um, if you're not, you may start to find that you know staff absences increase you'll find that staff retention declines um because if people don't feel safe anywhere but safe in their workspace then they're not going to stick around you know the beautiful thing about being a teacher and 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 living you know in this society is if you don't want to do something anymore you can find something else to do so as senior leaders, it's actually really important that we do prioritize 
teacher well-being and teacher stress and kind of open that can of worms and talk about it. Um, and it's really interesting, uh, another stat from education support that came out, I think, this week, um, and this is for higher education, that 78% of academics and related staff in higher education believe that psychological health is not seen as important as as the same importance as productivity. So essentially productivity is seen as far more important than psychological health. And again, that is a really, it kind of really annoys me, <laughs> gets my gets my wick, I suppose, because if you do not have staff that are able to be open about their well-being and are looked after and cared for and see around them that well-being is valued then your productivity well there's just no point productivity will go down your staff numbers will go down um and if you're not seen to be looking after your staff then that's you know productivity just goes completely up the chute so if you want to have good productivity you've got to have good staff well-being You've got to have good um, care of your staff. And that's that goes beyond the things of like, you know, let's have cake on a Friday or um, let's, you know, provide yoga once a term or whatever it might be. It's got to be seen as like genuine efforts to support teacher or staff well-being. It's got to be a real thing. And you know, that could come in in a number of places. But if going back to the bucket, and I know I keep coming back to that bucket, um, the the best way to, or one of the best ways to um, alleviate stress is to take things out of the bucket. And yeah, that might mean about like workload and reducing workload. Um, but again, that then goes into this whole thing of, of helplessness for the individual because they're not always in control of their own workload. You know, that's often put on them by the institution or higher up. But actually giving a teacher the time and space to kind of explore what's going on in the bucket and actually just kind of like, it's kind of um, take out or offload any emotions or mental stress or strain around anything that's in the bucket. So, you know, very often, yeah, the workload goes in the bucket and it, and it causes more stress and, you know, can help build on the overwhelm that inevitably comes if the bucket is left um, unattended and just allowed to overflow. But very often, again, it's how we perceive things and our mindset about our situations that is actually like the the sand, if you like, that's filling the bucket. That is all the little bits that kind of fill in around the um, the challenges that you're facing. So giving teachers that space to offload really helps to manage that bucket and manage the stress, manage the overwhelm and therefore manage the well-being. Um, and it, that can be done through something like reflective supervision and supervision in that sense is not something that is um, performance related but instead just providing that space to go what's in your bucket today and what do you want to offload what do you want to get rid of 
And having that space just makes you feel so much lighter. And that that alleviates the stress. Um, so going back to like, you know, the impact on teachers and what's causing it. Obviously, workload is always such a, a huge factor. Um, but and, and, and also the fact that like 52% of professionals um, and 59% of senior leaders are considering leaving the profession due to the pressures on their health and well-being. And that's that is huge. That's really bad. And um, I saw a statistic that was reported in Forbes um, in June this year that actually one in six teachers are leaving their first year. And one in 10 teachers um, are in their first year of teaching, I believe. I may have gotten that wrong. Um, but the significance of that is, you know, the the education system relies so heavily on new blood that if the new blood is leaving after a year, our attention crisis will simply continue. So well-being is really a huge and key part of, of how we can protect and look after ourselves and, and each other and our um, staff members as well. Okay, we're coming up to five o'clock. So let's pause for the news and we will come back and continue this discussion in a moment. See you in a sec. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, more than 226,000 pupils have additional needs, and this figure has increased by 70,000 since 2010. The Scotsman newspaper has reported the number of coordinated support plans has more than halved during this time. In England, the number of statutory education, health and care plans, similar to CSPs, has risen by almost 90,000 in five years. Pro-union campaign group Scotland and Union said the drop in numbers was deeply worrying. Their chief executive Pamela Nash said every youngster in Scotland should have the correct support in place to help them reach their full potential. For the most vulnerable coordinated support plans are essential giving parents, carers and children legal rights. A Scottish Government spokesperson said all children and young people should receive all the support that they need to reach their potential. Local authorities are responsible for identifying and meeting the additional support needs of their pupils. NHS teams in England are set to visit over 800 schools next week to offer all 12 to 15 year olds a COVID-19 vaccination. The national booking system also opened last week to enable extra vaccinations during half term. In total, more than 600,000 young people have been vaccinated since the end of September. 
Dr Nikki Kanani, GP and Deputy Lead of the NHS COVID-19 Vaccine Programme, said, It has been great to see that tens of thousands of families have either booked or already been for their child's COVID-19 vaccination during half-term. As our children return to classrooms, our efforts to vaccinate children will not stop. Hundreds more schools will be vaccinating this week. It's really important that we continue with the same enthusiasm if we want to ensure children get to stay in the classroom with their fellow pupils this winter. And so I encourage all parents and guardians to head online and the information on vaccinating your child so you can make an informed decision. This has been your daily education news briefing. Hey, we're back. So I would love to hear from you. Um, do you think that individual teachers can help their own stress levels? And do you think that individual teachers can make changes that are valuable and worthwhile to their own individual lives, especially to reduce the stress and enjoy teaching even more? I was reading a really fascinating article on TES um, yesterday by David Murray, um, who talks about, you know, why we truly need to deal with teacher stress. His main argument is the fact that, um, you know, the education system is kind of like the canary in the coal mine. Like it gives an impression of, you know, what's happening in education right now will ripple out into um, the rest of society. But there were some also other really interesting points that he raised that I would love to raise with you as well. And I'd love to know what you think. Um, first of all, he reports that in 2015, Sir Kerry Cooper of the University of Manchester suggested that teaching is in, teaching is in the top three most stressful occupations alongside healthcare and uniform services. And, you know, the usual list of things are cited as to be causing stress. You know, the workload, student behaviour, over-scrutiny, pay, um, don't know if you heard uh, in the budget, uh, initial uh, teacher pay will go up to £30,000. Um, no date as to when that will be, and schools will need to provide that. Um, another aside, um, you know, I'm not really sure that pay is going to reduce stress. But yeah, that, that's that's my own thoughts. Um but his, his thoughts about what we do when teachers have a stress reaction was really fascinating for me because he, he said that, you know, there's a focus on the individuals and that can quickly start to feel like it's tipping into a matter of capability and that the problem is localised with them. And I totally agree with David that it's, it isn't a localised problem and that it is unreasonable and unfair to say that um, a teacher's performance is, is brought into question when they're feeling stressed. Because, yes, admittedly, a stressed teacher may not perform as well as an unstressed teacher, but it is not, I mean, first of all, questioning a person's capability is not going to improve their stress levels. Um, but also, secondly, it's it's kind of like taking the stick of stress and hitting them a bit more with it. Um, instead, actually, we need to be caring towards those individuals. Um, you know, the, the argument that David is making is that the system needs to change and I don't dispute that at all however by saying that the system must be the the change 
and that must be changed first before we help individual teachers with their stress is just kind of removing that responsibility of the individual but also responsibility of of the support within that school for that individual and the institution as a whole it just removes responsibility from them and again it reiterates that well this is just the way teaching is and if you're stressed then that was very naive of you to think that you wouldn't be stressed and that you would cope with it um and I certainly experienced that when my panic attacks started because I felt like an idiot (laughs) I felt like why on earth did I think I could cope in this job it's actually you know everyone said it was stressful and I kind of went oh yeah yeah I know but I'm sure I'll be fine and I was fine for a few years and then I wasn't fine and you know it then reiterates that sense of shame that you can feel that you're not coping that's your fault you know everyone else is just about hanging on so you should be as well and again that then reiterates that lack of self-esteem which just compounds the problem of stress rather than actually supporting or alleviating it and and David Murray does raise a really valid point you know he uses this quotation from Archbishop Desmond Tutu that there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out the river we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in and that is again completely true you know the system does need change but that doesn't mean that we stop helping the people in the river or that we just kind of go well they're a lost cause and watch them drift past us there are things that we can do as as individuals but also um you know as as senior leaders or as colleagues that can help alleviate their stress and and that reflective supervision that i discussed earlier is is really good for that because it is just a space that empty that mental and emotional bucket and it'd be really interesting to hear if you have any experiences of that because it does leave you really revitalized because you just have that that offload you know just to have that moment where someone isn't judging you it's a confidential space and you are just able to just be yourself and just kind of say what's going on for you and that is often just what's truly needed is actually having that permission and that ability to say what's going on um and and have that space and it'd be really good if schools provided that to their staff and be interested to hear have you have you experienced that so let's actually start exploring what what will alleviate stress and i would love to know from you how do you alleviate stress for me, it's always a walk. I have to get out. I have to get out of the house. Um, if the weather's particularly bad, I will literally just pace up and down in my house, <laughs> just go to the front door, to the back door, and back again, um, which may look very manic because it's not really that long a space, but it's just kind of releasing that nervous energy, which I find so beneficial. Um But like tip number one for you, know your priorities. Like in that moment where you're stressed, take that step away and go, right, what is important right here? What is the important thing? Is it these emails that have distracted me? Is it, um, you know, emailing this parent about the poor behavior of their student that day? Is it the marking that needs to be done for tomorrow morning? Like, what is it that is your priority 
and then say no to everything else. Focus on one thing at a time. The, the worst thing in a way about the stress is, you know, you, particularly if you're in the flight response, is what you want to do is bury your head in the sand and run away, um, which would be a very interesting image, running away whilst having your head in the sand. Um, but the f- main thing that actually really helps is to face whatever it is head on and say, right, I'm going to deal with this. So like, I always felt better after I'd done my marking. What a surprise. I knew that every time, but I kind of forgot every week as well. Never mind. And it's it's kind of, yeah, what is the thing that is causing you the most stress right now? And what can be done to alleviate that? So it might be that you renegotiate it. So say if you've got a, um, a lesson observation tomorrow, maybe, and you're just not ready or you're just feeling too overwhelmed about it. See if you can renegotiate it. Do it next week instead delegate if you can so um really good thing with like marking get the students to market for you you know create a quick um uh crib sheet for them and get them to do the marking delegate it is not a dirty word in teaching as far as i'm concerned um and if there is no like way around it you know like that going on a bear hunt thing if you can't go over it and you can't go under it and you can't go around it then you're just gonna have to go through it um which i think was like the one going through the the squelching mud or something in the book. You've just you've just got to face it head on. Um, because if it is simply that you are the one that has to do it, then then just do it. Set yourself a, a timeline or a time block and just get on with it. And you know, stick to that boundary. I'm always talking about the boundaries. Having a boundary to say, right, this is the set time that I'm finishing work today. And it doesn't matter how much work I've done. I'm going to, you know, switch off the computer and I'm going to go home at this time. And giving yourself that permission to prioritize your own well-being um, and have those boundaries and switch off from school is a huge impact. What else helps to reduce um, stress? I mean, just generally being aware ahead of time what stresses you out. So, um when I went down to part-time, a really healthy habit that I'd had previously had gone out the window. I'd just forgotten all about it, which was doing all of my printing like the week before for the next week. Um, and I found myself getting really stressed because I was trying to do all the printing in the morning each day. I don't know why I'd suddenly gotten into this habit when my previous habit had worked perfectly well. And that was stressing me out. So after like a week and a half, I was like, if I do it all on Friday, is then all ready for me the next week? I should just do that. And that that source of stress, just poof, gone. All good. So make a list of, of things that stress you out or make you feel emotionally drained. And come up with ways that you can reduce that stress as well. So if you feel particularly nervous about, um, you know, a parent's evening, for instance, and you fear like, you know, you don't see the kids very often. Maybe you're a class that see them only once a week. You know, make sure you've got their pictures printed off with you um, at the parents' evening so that the whole stress of who are you? <laughs> I can't remember which particular student you are um, goes away. I had um, I had a pair of students who I always, always, always got them mixed up. 
continually always got them mixed up. And um, I went to Japan with my family and ran into one of my students on Mount Fuji. And I was like, seriously, how have I managed this? And I said the wrong name on Mount Fuji. And she was like, yeah, it's Joanne Miss. I was like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. I just always got it wrong. So find ways to alleviate those moments of stress. And if you do make those mistakes, forgive yourself. Oh, forgive yourself and let it go. Um, the likelihood is that whoever else was involved has totally forgotten about it or don't care about it as much as you do. So give yourself that permission to just, you know, let it go. Let it go, people. Let's not sing, but let it go. Um, and and another tip is, is don't bottle up that anger or frustration. Again, if we're kind of ignoring how we're feeling and if we are ignoring our experiences and we're just trying to, like, keep going on that teacher treadmill or keep going through the treacle, we're just compounding that stress. And that can result in frustration and anger. And, and you know, suddenly you'll just be having a complete outburst in a random situation where, I don't know, you're shouting at a bag of flour in the supermarket. Not something I've personally done, but, you know, it just, it comes out in any way. So don't ignore it. Don't bottle it up. Have those moments where you can... Um, unpack that whether it is you've had a difficult lesson you just go vent in the um, faculty office for two minutes or you vent to your partner or, or friends or whatever it is make sure that you've got those people around you who are just happy to just let you vent for a moment uh, and get it out your system and they're not going to judge you for it they're not gonna um, be like oh you're really grumpy today or whatever they're just gonna be like yeah let it out let it go that's totally okay Another thing that's really key um, with stress, and again, is, you know, if we keep going with our stress and our stress causes us to struggle to switch off from school and just keep working all the time, um, the the thing that very often quickly drops off the, the to-do list or the priorities list is our own hobbies or exercise or anything that we enjoy ourselves. And this whole perception that, you know, half term you know you've just had half term last week now it is only work now it is only all of the stressful busy miserable things and then christmas you can have fun and you can do your hobbies and you can rest and relax and recuperate <laughs> don't do that <laughs> you know make sure that you're setting aside and prioritizing things for yourself during term time as well it may be that occasional glass of wine, but, you know, keep an eye on that. If that's the thing that you're living for at the end of each day, you know, that that may not be a good coping mechanism. But those happy treats for yourself. So, like, for instance, this morning um, on my morning run with my friend, I picked up a flat white. I've never drunk a flat white in my life. Um, but I just thought, I'm going to treat myself. So that was my little thing that I did for today. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could just be that you go out for a a 15 minute walk when you get home whatever it is make sure that you are giving yourself the permission and prioritizing times when you actually um do things for you because if you don't you just end up resenting teaching because you just feel like it's taken over your life and and nothing you do is for yourself and you know you end up hating it and you don't want to do it anymore find the balance the balance does exist find it for yourself um 
Another really useful tip for you is um, actually to practice gratitude. You know, if and that is then tackling that negative perceptions um, or negative thinking. And like I said before, with you know our mindset heavily influences our brain's response to situations. Um, negative thinking or negatively perceiving a a situation can trigger that flight or fight response. And if we can perpetually in that state, then that's where that's that's when we are stressed. So practicing gratitude really just trains your brain to look out for positive things. Um, a really useful mantra that um, I learned as a kid, and I still try and remember to use most days is, um, I believe something wonderful is going to happen to me today. And if you kind of go around with that thought in your head, when something wonderful happens, you're like, hey, maybe this is the wonderful thing that's going to happen to me today. Um, so you are just you are training your brain to look out for positive things while the negative things. And that alleviates the stress, but also actually kind of increases those those happy thoughts and happy moods. And again, how we think influences how we feel and that then influences how we act. So it's a really kind of simple little technique to use. So practicing gratitude, you know, have a gratitude list each evening before you go to bed, write down three things that you're grateful for. And if you're really struggling, it may just be things like I'm grateful for heating. Um, the room I'm currently sat in is um, at my home office and we are redecorating it. Um, so it's very bare apart from my desk and um, taking the radiator off the wall so we can paint behind the wall or paint the wall and uh, paint the radiator. And my goodness, it's freezing in here today. So I'm going to be grateful today for heating. Um, it may be the little things. It might be the big things. It might be that a student has thanked you today for a lesson or, you know, has written a nice little message for you, whatever it might be, look out for those things. And another tip is actually to be aware of what your coping mechanisms are. Um, and I, you know, I've asked how, how do you alleviate stress? And I'd love to hear from you, but if you are someone who is relying on drinking or smoking or, you know, any sensitives or stimulation, um, chocolate, whatever it might be, you know, those offer temporary relief, but they're not going to solve the problems. They're going to create other problems instead. So that can cause further, you know, mental, physical health problems in the future. So create new coping mechanisms. Uh, a brilliant one is like exercise, going for a run. Even when you don't want to go for a run, remember that you feel great at the end of the run. Um, doing knitting, doing mindful coloring, whatever your coping mechanism is, you know, mindfulness, um, really, um, you know, it, any of those things can be a great coping mechanism. It doesn't have to be a negative response. So, yeah, those those are some ways that you can alleviate your own um, stress levels. Let's go to the adverts and um, we'll keep this discussion going afterwards. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. 
Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. So we've been talking about stress in today's show and tomorrow is International Stress Awareness Day and this week is International Stress Awareness Week. I'm really hoping that you have learned some things about stress in this show today. It's one of those things that we just kind of take for granted, particularly as teachers, because it's just quite a regular state that we find ourselves in. And it's not really surprising, you know, 82% of teachers describe themselves as stressed. It's it's just one of those things at the moment that there's that sense of inevitability about it that, you know, it's teachers teaching equals stress. I mean, you know, 82%, we're not far off 100%. We're not far off saying, yes, you know, uh, teaching is stressful. I'm a teacher, therefore I'm stressed. But actually there are ways that we can... Um, support our own well-being there's ways that we can alleviate our own stress and it's really just a case of coming up with whatever works best for you um, it may be that you find your stress alleviated by spending time with friends and family it might be that you um, alleviate your stress simply by you know prioritizing the basics like eating healthily and regularly and making sure that you get enough sleep each night. Um, we can alleviate our stress by through organization, um, you know, making sure that everything's ready the day before for the next day or um, plotting out when we're going to do certain bits of work. Um, plotting in times that are like buffer zones, you know, rather than saying I'm going to do this piece of work at this time kind of leaving it spare and empty for when the emails come I will deal with them in that session or you know that's the time when if anyone's come to me asking for information or wants to talk to me about something that is the time when I will go back to them and say I'm free now what you know what can I do to help you it's it's building a life that teaching fits around 
but also your, you know, fits around your well-being. And, you know, I'd this is this is what I'm I'm really passionate about. You know, this is this is what I do now. I, I help teachers to create clear boundaries and, and love teaching again, because my experience of of burning out and dropping out of teaching was, well, horrific. <laughs> it wasn't a positive experience, but and you know, I, and I don't want other people to experience that. So, if any of these tips or thoughts or ideas have have been a beneficial for you, please let me know because you know, it's it's good to it's good to be there for each other and to help each other. And you know, I want you to know that it's you're not alone. You know, if you're listening to this on replay, and you know, it's the end of the day, and you are just sat in your classroom by yourself, kind of slumped over your desk exhausted at the end of the day you're not alone you know what you can't see is that other people are doing it in other classrooms in your school and across the country but it doesn't mean that it's not inevitable it may feel inevitable at times but actually there there are things that you can do to to help alleviate your own stress. And, and we've explored these today, you know, knowing your priorities, um, being aware of what actually stresses you out, forgiving yourself if you've if you've made any mistakes or messed up, um, and you know, talking to people and not bottling up um how you're feeling are all really crucial ways that you can, you know, support your own well-being. And talk about that with your colleagues as well, you know get that conversation going not the conversation where you're all collaborating with your own stress and and, you know my eczema's flared up my eye continually twitches um I've barely slept I'm finding more gray hairs whatever the the evidence there is for stress but actually going to your colleagues and saying you know I'm here if you need me and being that kind of kind listening ear is it can make a huge difference to someone and again, if you are that person in your school that does that, again, remember your boundaries because what you then don't want to do is then take other people's stress on and they leave the conversation going, I feel so much better. And you're just like, uh-huh, good, right? Okay, I'm now carrying my own stress that I had before the conversation. I'm now carrying yours as well. Again, remember your boundaries. Like that's not something that belongs to you. Um, you know, remembering that someone else's stress belongs to them and that your stress belongs to you and that you are all, you know, responsible for your own well-being and that there are things that can make a difference for you. So I'm, I'm coming to the end of my of my passionate spiel about um, stress and, and teachers. It would be awesome to continue this conversation. So if you want to um, get in touch with me, let me know. You know, that'd be great. I'd just love to hear um, more about, <laughs> I'd love to hear more about stress. Um, if you want to continue this conversation about um, stress awareness this week, um, find me on Twitter at, at Gemma underscore Drinkle. Um, in the meantime, though, as we come to um, 5.30, I want to let you know that Lucy Newberger is on at 6 on Teachers Talk Radio. And you can find her through the Podbean app or you can find her through the Teacher Talk Radio um, website. Again, we are continuing to... The message on, on the 
conversation on Teachers Talk Radio, talking all things education. Um, I really hope that you have enjoyed today's show and that you have found some useful nuggets in it. And I will see you again soon. Have a great week. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.